From Broadcast Amsterdam, this is Streets of Fire with Jesse Lent. Streets of Fire, the only show in the Netherlands daring to ask the question, who's playing this month? I'm your host, Jesse Lent. This week, I'll be speaking to Dief van Hartug, a longtime fixture of the Leiden music scene, both with his bands like Toner Low, Kitty Cantana, and his DJ alter ego, Dr. Dynamite. Dief is also a skilled engineer, a prolific songwriter, and an all-around interesting person. His current band, Choco Stoner Disco, is who we're hearing in the background right now. And if you're listening live to this interview on Friday, March 24th, Choco Stoner Disco will be performing in Leiden tonight at Lazarus. We did the interview earlier this week at Dave's home studio. in the bulb fields, fields of bulbs. I'm a bulb boy. <laughs> and what part of the country is that? It's near the sea, in the dunes, yeah. uh, around Noordwijk, Katwijk, Rijnsburg, Voorhout, Sassenheim, that neighborhood. It's uh, where uh, most flower bulbs are, br- are grown, mm. where the famous uh, uh, Keukenhof is. The the famous Keukenhof. <laughs> Keukenhof. The people from all around the world come there. It's a flower show or something. I'm, right, I've the been there tulip once. show, Correct. right, as Americans would call it. Right. Yeah. Somehow it, uh, it's a big deal for a lot of people and they uh, visit it a lot yeah. once in their life. Is there a music scene there amidst the tulip fields? There is. Yeah, yeah. there was. What, what was it like when you were growing up? There were lots of. Uh, youth uh, places were yeah. from local governments so there was uh, there were subsidized uh, places where the youth could hang out uh, in, in the entire so um, uh, there would be money for bands in those days mm. uh, and basically that was it getting drunk watching bands or playing yourself uh, there was a, a live uh, Culture, there was a big culture, but uh, in in Noordwijk, there's also a big uh, place where you can go out and, and uh, near the sea. It's it's a it's a, a place where people uh, went to the sea. Most Ger- mostly Germans or uh, other people from Europe who want to visit uh, our North Sea. I wouldn't know why because it's goddamn cold, <laughs> <laughs> but it is. Uh, 
So it was a, a, a badplaats, as they call it in, uh, in, in, in Dutch. And it means a, a bathing uh, place for, for bathing in the sea. Mm. Uh, just like Spain or something. The Costa del Noordwijk. <laughs> uh, I grew up in Noordwijk. I, I lived in Noordwijk. Uh, that's where I grew up. I wasn't born there. I was born in the other parts of Holland. But uh, Voorburg near the Hague. But soon we went to Noordwijk because of the work of my father. What did your father do? Uh, he, he managed a, a, a tennis park. Huh. He was a self-employed guy. So uh, not all the time, but a lot of time. Uh, so we were uh, we were hired by our dad <laughs> to make beers for the for the customers and stuff and uh, make uh, fries and stuff. I usually worked in the kitchen and uh, my sister uh, behind the bar. Hmm. Sometimes in uh, during tournaments and stuff, there were big festivals, tournaments. People liked tennis. Tennis is a bit like football for some people. They go there, they imagine they are doing sports. They do some kind of sport and then they drink their ass off. <laughs> Just like right. in, everywhere in, uh, yeah, there's a lot of drinking in the in the, fl- in the bulb country, flower bulb country, a lot of drinking. Do you remember the first music that really did something to you as a kid? Yes, certainly. I still have this record as well. It's called uh, Rudy Carell, and he's a, a Dutch guy who made it in Germany as a TV presenter. Hmm. Als ik met dieren praten kon. If I could only talk with animals. And, he, and it was from a certain... Dr. Doolittle. It was. It was a spin-off of Dr. Doolittle. But yeah. then the Dutch, uh, the Dutch version of that. Yeah, it was. So that was my first record. Uh, child record. Then Grooving with Mr. Blue. That was a very old record for my mother. Because I, I, I was really interested in, uh, in the record player of my uh, parents. Grooving with Mr. Blue. Yeah, that's an uh, obscure uh, track... It's not a band or something. It's like hired guns who are making a really awesome track. Uh, sounds really cool. Huh. I, f- I found several uh, seven inches of this track uh, with different B-sides. It was a hit for a while in the 70s. Uh, what was it about that stuff that, that hit you so hard? It was... It was No, uh, I'm not sure because it was... Um, I'm a vocalist mainly, but there weren't any vocals on this record, but it grooved the hell out of it it was really groovy and it was really uh, and it had lots of funny and good accents in not in, in not in speech but in in, in the music style way uh, rhythmic way. accents yeah the rhythmic accents and it was groovy I, I liked it the, 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 the beat was really uh, it, he was pounding the drums in, in a good way and it was uh, and about how old are you at this point I might be uh, 10 years old or something, yeah. yeah. And uh, yeah, yeah. around my 10th, I, 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 I inherited my grandfather's. He didn't die, but I got his uh, pickup anyways. So he just gave me a, a dual pickup, which I was really grateful for. And my third single was from the uh, Jackson 5, Can You Feel It? Great song. It's an enormously cool song. I really enjoyed that song. And then I got incredible build. In that. Yeah, yeah, so and it's it's but it's it's a production. The Quincy yeah. Jones is my hero in a right. way. He is. He's right. That's really right. When Quincy was first getting involved with Michael's music, I think. Yeah, he yeah. Was, yeah. It was really impressive what he what he 
what he does in in, in general with yeah. Quincy Jones. He's, he's a master. Absolutely, he's an absolute master. One of my heroes. Yeah. I remember him saying about Michael that, you know, because Quincy was brought in to work on the Wiz and. Oh. However you feel about Michael Jackson, you know, no one can deny, especially at that point, the, the talent that he had. And he said that he didn't really want to work with him because he didn't want to work with kid stars. You know, he had done <laughs> Brothers Johnson and he had, obviously he worked with Frank Sinatra when he was in his 20s. He he, he didn't need Michael Jackson or th- thought he d- didn't at that point in his career. And he said the thing that convinced him is he, he produced that uh, movie musical The Wiz and Michael knew Every line in the show, not just his own lines, the line of every single character knew all of their songs and all of their steps. He just would watch him backstage doing everyone else's stuff. And that's when he knew that this kid was, was really brought, special. Was something unique, right? Yeah, true. Yeah. So he memorized all the roles. Everybody's, you know. It's incredible. Yeah. But it's, it's a bit of the same like with us when we were touring with our fan and we had a tape machine and it was broken so the there was one tape which was stuck in there and we were yeah we need we could only listen to that tape because because he couldn't, couldn't get, get it, it out. out yeah and it was uh, it was a movie it was uh, the, the audio of a movie it was bill and ted's excellent adventure uh, a classic yeah a really cool film so uh, be excellent we, to each yeah other. of course you should and we knew this film by heart at the end <laughs> After a couple of years, yeah. Yes. Yeah. But uh, then uh, I, I moved so many times. I moved a lot. I've got ADHD, which means I didn't uh, stick for long anywhere. Anywhere. Uh, so I moved a lot. This is jumping ahead to like your 20s now. Correct, yeah. 20s, yeah. 30s, 30s, something like that. Well, uh, no, not really. So at, at my late 20s, I started traveling through Europe. Uh, that was actually my first. I did play in the school band of my high school, uh, but I went to visit two friends of mine in Darmstadt, and they uh, had a, had a, had a, they they were there, and I I went there for just uh, partying with New Year's Eve, and I stayed half a year. It was a cool time. We uh, traveled through the entirety of Europe, uh, Morocco as well. We got robbed in Morocco, so we went back quickly. Uh, and uh, we survived by making music, by busking, making music on the streets. So uh, this guy, uh, Andre, could uh, could play some guitar. We, we, we chose three hits from the radio at that time. I wouldn't, couldn't recall which, but... Oh yeah, uh, uh, Steve Miller was one of them. Yeah, not his big hits, but one of his late songs. But anyway, um, and then we went through the neighborhood of Darmstadt, and we went to bars and asked if we could play some songs, and then could go around with a hat. We actually made a lot of money with this, which was mm, good. Because then we could stay longer. <laughs> and he'd play guitar and you'd sing. And I would sing, yeah. 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 So basically I survived. I, I, my, my coming of age traveling was uh, busking in uh, Germany uh, mainly. And then traveling through Europe to Spain, to Morocco. We got robbed really bad mm. with drugs involved and stuff. Fui, fui. Anyway, uh, we uh, went back. We, we, could, we could hardly get back. We had a car also, by the way, so we could travel by car. Only one of us, we were three of us. Only one of us had a driver's license. 
he didn't drink fortunately so uh, that was okay but uh, and then we uh, traveled back uh, made some more music made some more money and went to Prague and had a good time there we were basically uh, hanging around hanging loose in Europe that's what we did and then I came back and I started working at different places I took a lot of different jobs soon I was uh, bored with the job or something and that wasn't usually uh, not a problem because you just go to the next job and there was plenty of work in those days <clears throat> right when I moved here I was playing on the street in Den Haag quite a bit great city to busk in actually uh, I think that's actually there are some skills that you get as a performer that uh, I think you can kind of only get in that context of being out on a street with people who could not be more indifferent to you you know that in a sort of ideal uh scenario are are at least willing to humor you you know going into even the most hostile of club environments for me seems pretty friendly after doing that i don't know about you if there was anything that that taught you yeah uh, you are correct uh, people are really indifferent so i i, I uh we enjoyed children in, in those days because they were not indifferent. They they'll dance. They'll dance. They sing along. They clap their hands and uh, they'll pull their parents out. Oh, pull, their, pull, pull a bill out of their wallet yeah, yeah, and put it in the in the so bag. Yeah. Those were my best friends during those days. I know that feeling. Yeah. Um. So let's talk about that first band. Is that your band only entertainment? The the first one that you that you joined. Correct. And that band was all covers, right? It was. Yeah. Only covers, but then. Uh, with a big, uh, uh, usually uh, sweet covers, like sweet songs, which we would speed up and simplify really and then put a, a immensely speedy beat in it. Multiple uh, vocalists, which was fun. So uh, three voices, which was uh, really nice. I like uh, multiple voices, so music with multiple voices, with melodies and, and harmonies. Uh, they were also good vocalists, so it was really fun. Uh, we had some success in the in the bulb area, in the, so uh, we were uh, we also got a contract. But they wanted us to do Dutch music in the same way, and it kind of ended there. <laughs> we did make a record, which costs costed ten thousand guilders in those days, and they they paid. Uh, but uh, they weren't really satisfied with the recordings. Uh, I can imagine it was not really a really good deal. The only reason we chose the studio because it was called Bill and Ted's Excellent Recording Studio. <laughs> <laughs> to bring things full circle very early on in the yeah, interview. So and that's because yeah. So we thought this 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 is station. Station. This not right. this must be the recording studio for us. What could possibly go wrong? Yeah. Well, it went wrong because we didn't really make a really nice record, or not really good record, or, or not up to par at what they wanted. So uh, it was left there, and they, they put it on the hold, or they, they just stored it somewhere. A couple of friends of ours uh, were disappointed. A couple of years later, still disappointed. So they said, they, so they went to this record company and said, can't we uh, buy the recording? The master tapes. The master tapes, and they said, "Well, yeah, uh, well, yeah, you can." So, and and they bargained for three thousand euros. So, something which has cost ten thousand guilders, they bought for three thousand guilders, and uh, they uh, made a CD out of it. 
Should we hear one of those songs right now? Let's do. 2525 is my favorite. It's about the future. It's science fiction, eh? Year 2525, when man is still alive, when woman can survive, will they be fine? When the year 3535, you gotta need to tell them to tell, no lies, everything you think you would say, was in the value today. When the year 4545, you gotta need to leave, won't need to you won't find the things you choose to do, nobody's gotta look at you. When the year 5555, you're around your limbs, watch your inside, your leg got nothing to do. The sun is shining through a lot for you. When the year 6565, I gotta need no husband, don't need no wife. Pick yourself, pick yourself, don't, 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 Years, man has cried a billion tears for what he never knew. No man's win is through, but through eternal life, twinkling of starlight, so very far away. But it's only yesterday. When the year 2525, when man is still alive, when all men can survive, let me find. When the year 
What what was there anything that inspired you to to take that step? Yeah, mainly the the crappy uh, quality of the recordings we made so far. So I thought for so much money. Yeah, yeah. For, uh, so I thought I can do this better. Yeah, uh, that's, that's, that's been, uh, that that has been my vision in a lot of uh, times. Like, I can do this better. Right. <laughs> so so and then. then Oh, this looks simple. Let's do this. <laughs> yes. Oh, I didn't do this. I probably can do it. Right. <laughs> Let's hear one of those songs that Dave made in his first solo attempt. This is Epileptics with Fuck Yeah.
with his original solo project, Epileptics, the song Fuck Yeah, uh, was what we heard first there. And then we heard a subsequent project, Kitty Cantano. So Dave, after your experience with Only Entertainment, at what point does Kitty Cantana come in the picture? And now we're, we're about up to the early 2000s, right? Correct, yeah. Well, uh, my, uh, my girlfriend of those days... Uh, she said, well, you really need to talk to Rul, Rul Bettelviel, which is a uh, guitarist of Kitty Contana. Uh, he said, what are you telling the guy who likes music just uh, as much as you do? You really need to talk to this guy. And uh, so we talked and we liked each other. We were in the same, uh, in the same energy. And uh, we made a couple of songs. Uh, then we f- searched for a band to perform those songs. And we just made them at his place on a Macintosh, which was... A really nice computer, which is where they were just demos, and uh, yeah, basically, we started recording those demos with little means. And they were also not really uh, good demos, but then we uh, did some shows, and in it became kind of popular in uh, some areas you know, around uh, our in, in, in this part of Holland, not very far, but just this part of Holland. Uh, we did some cool shows. People were enjoying it, and we there was this contest where uh, local bands could enter, and we won. And one of the, studio, the prize was a studio time, uh, so we recorded a CD. And that's well, that was those two songs. Uh, they were. It was not really published. It's not on uh, Spotify or anything else. It's just a CD. I don't even really, I don't even have it anymore, which is really bad because I'm an archivist, so I should have this stuff. <laughs> Most it is on YouTube. It is on YouTube, unfortunately. I do also have the the the, the digital files, so I, digitally I'm a better uh, archivist. But uh, yeah, we might. Re- I learned the, the 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 fine art of making a pop song with the, this band. They were really uh, cool musicians. Elaborate on that. What do, what what do you perceive as the fine art of making a pop song? It's uh, the fine art of making a pop song was kind of invented by the Beatles, I guess. So uh, with a certain structure, a certain length. Uh, and wh- and and how do you internalize that stuff? 
It, yep. No one ever sits down and says, let's write a two minute and 50 second song. Or maybe that some people do. Well, but, some people do. But yeah. that can be a challenge to, to yeah. box yourself well, in like yeah, that. Yeah, what, what I was I was investigating in, in, in different ways of, of, of writing. Uh, there are several ways to write. You can uh, start with a lyric, you can start with a riff, you can start with a hook, you can start with a beat, you can start basically with anything. Which You can start with an idea. Uh, so I was investigating all of this, and these guys were... I was always, I was from the metal and the hard rock side, uh, punk rock, I was really uh, fierce. Uh, I, I was a loud mouth, I, I sang loud, like really loud. Because uh, so, uh, yeah, yeah, usually you had a crappy PA, so you, I, I, I hardly used the PA. Uh, there was several, uh, what do you call it, amplifiers, and I just sang just as loud as I could. And which No uh, microphone. Sometimes we did, yes. Also, with, because sometimes... It was, yeah, it's not like you're in uh, the AFAS or something or in in, 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 in in a big venue. Usually it was crappy everywhere. And it was just fun, right? It's not bad to be crappy and, uh, and play in crappy places because that's where you learn to play the best, I guess. Everybody needs to learn to play at crappy places. That's where you start. And, and where, where the sound engineer is a volunteer who doesn't know shit. He does all everything wrong, which can we possibly be doing wrong? So this is okay. <laughs> this is how it works. This is, these people need to learn it as well. Same with touring. I toured with Tone Low, some European countries or most of Europe. You're the center of the party, so you drink uh, each night. You go to bed last. You wake up the most early, and then you sit in this goddamn van for another 10 hours just to drive to the next show uh, which can be really hard especially if you're also working I always worked it was always the ho it was my holiday but I came back uh, broken so I I don't tour not anymore I don't tour it's because uh, it, it doesn't work for me was that the last straw that particular tour yeah with yeah 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 I, I, I just I I ended up psychotic, so uh, it doesn't work that good for you. It's just not okay. So uh, no, that was uh, it's too hard. If you're drinking a lot, uh, smoking a lot, uh, not sleeping a lot, then life can be really hard for you. That's what I noticed. So, uh, but if you do it uh, the healthy way, then you can easily tour, of course, and it can be a lot of fun. It was fun, of course. It was, of course, it was fun. We left our asses off. I have so many stories to tell. I can't recall any of them. I have so many stories to tell. <laughs> uh, there must be, yeah. Yes, in the words of Keith Richards, it was an amazing time if only I could remember it. Yeah, correct. That's basically... Uh, I want to go back to the way that you sing, which is an extremely powerful voice. To me, there are almost overtones of, you know, op opera singers and and um and and people with with serious pipes like like uh uh strong kinetic energy coming from the larynx who were the singers that inspired you and and is that just the way that it sounded the first time you opened your mouth to sing uh 
Yellow Biafra is one of my... Ah, uh, from the Dead of, Kennedys, of course. Yeah, yeah. One, of my, uh, one of the greats. Uh, yeah, and uh, Tom Jones, of course. He's right. the best singer ever. He's, he's, he's your favorite singer of all he's time. He's my favorite singer yeah. of all time. Yeah, he's, he's amazing. Right. He's so amazing. That's, he's beyond amazing. He can sing so well. That's incredible. What he can do is, is really incredible. So I like vocalizing a lot. But I also don't like to be a one-trick pony. So I made sure I was able to do different voices and voice acting. I also worked at a company where I was the engineer and I had to uh, produce voice actors of sex lines. <laughs> so I needed like phone, to, phone yeah, sex hotline? Like, yeah, yeah that's sex. quite a gig. That was a, that was a good job. I, I, I really enjoyed it. I want to go back to something that you were saying about the guitar player in Kitty Cantana, because this guitar player, Rule Bettonville, has a great sound. Well, what was that band like? I mean, how did you guys go about working together and uh, finding a sound that, that was comfortable for both of you? Yeah, finding the sound was not the problem, because he had excellent gear, like really uh, good guitars. He, uh, he traded them and uh, just... As soon as he got a real good guitar, he was then 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 he was happy, and he did that a lot trading with the guitars. And he had a really good uh, Marshall Plexi, to be honest, uh, Marshall Plexi, which is, is a fine uh, amplifier. It doesn't sound like Marshall at all. <laughs> that makes it a really fine amplifier. It's got some clarity. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> and some warmth. Uh, the other guitarist, uh, Peter van der Geest, he played uh, on a Music Man, and uh, he was the more funky uh, guy. But the uh, rule, yeah, you 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 could be saying he's he's, he's a punk guy in a way. Uh, he, he he was a good guitarist. He, he gave lessons to youngers youngsters for a while. So he was uh, a talented uh, guy. He had good ideas. He was uh, creative in all ways. We all were creative. The fun part with Kitty Contana was that we were all able. We were really all able, and we were. Uh, not masters of our instrument, but we were well acquainted with our instruments. Uh, for me, it was a relief not to have to play bass together with vocals, so I could really concentrate on, on, on laying down some really good vocals. In only entertainment, you were the bass player as Correct. well. Correct, yeah, I was yeah. also playing uh, bass, yeah. Uh, and toner low as well. Right. So uh, the fun part was only singing, that, that was a relief. for. I really, that was something new for me. Because I've never done that. Uh, just been the singer. Yeah, just yeah. being the singer. And I also uh, had a lot of support from the guys because the bass player and two guitarists, they all sang really well. They were they could keep good notes. And we had really beautiful four-piece harmonies. Wow. Which was really fun. Especially the bass player was a small guy, but he, had, he could build up a really high-pitched voice, which was really nice. And uh, Vocal-wise, it was the most interesting band I've ever been in. Because uh, yeah, we, we all knew our trade, the trick of our trade. And the drummer was also in insane. He, he is a really talented drummer. And what makes him just more talented is was that he wasn't showing it off. He played exactly what was needed. So right around this time is when I believe you started the band Death by David that you've told me was a one-man barbershop quartet focusing on material about zombies? Correct. 
and werewolves and everything in particular with the like the the Halloween uh, stuff. Right, it was all based around Halloween. I, at those at that time, uh, I had a girlfriend who was really into Halloween. <laughs> uh, we uh, our house was uh, for the neighbor neighboring kids was was one big. Poke house, how do you call it? Right, haunted, uh, house, haunted house, spooky exactly. house. Yeah, and I was the crazy doctor doing crazy, uh, crazy explosive stuff, <laughs> and the kids uh, would love it, and uh, of course the candy and stuff. But so, so that was based because this girlfriend really loved uh, Halloween that much. I, I made uh, a lot of songs which were uh, in, the, in that tradition. Yeah. So uh, I did perform live in the Paradiso once on, on a Halloween party. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that was really strange. Uh, I liked it. It was a sort of tape act because I'm not able to sing four, four, four voices at the same time. But the lead was done by me and, and the backing vocals were just backing vocals and stuff. Well, uh, why don't we listen to a little bit of that? Uh, I think Werewolf Maniacs is the best song to uh, to to let people listen to. that we've been talking about at least from the time you first set up some gear in your room as epileptics you very early on started another solo project called dr dynamite so 
walk me through sort of what the concept there was and how you go from epileptics to, to Dr. Dynamite. Um, explosives. <laughs> <laughs> Pyrotechnics. <laughs> yeah, correct. I, I know. No, I'm not sure now and I'm making it up. No, I, I <laughs> actually right. don't know. I, I used, I wanted to have a dynamic name and I thought, well, dynamite sounds dynamic, doesn't it? And uh, there's no particular reason why I, I, I should not have called it Dr. Dynamite because a lot of stuff is called Dr. Dynamite. I'm hard to find on YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> there are a lot of Dr. Dynamites yeah, on YouTube. Yeah, I, I know that. Yeah, so it's difficult. And uh, also on, uh, on Spotify and all the other stuff, I'm not on Spotify, but... Uh, yeah, it's it's I, sh- I should have. It's just happened, just the same with my uh, f- now band, which I mean now Shoko. It's it's for chocolate Shoko, uh, but it's not a really smart name, because the chocolate companies own the website choco.com far f- more earlier than we do so the, 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 everything was taken. So we had a while. We had uh, Shoko.church. That was nice. So, uh, but now we don't. And we're going to get to Choco in a minute. Yeah. You mentioned Spotify. Do you, is that something you feel comfortable talking about? Why did you take your music off of Spotify? Yeah, well, I, I heard from a good friend of mine, or not heard, he, he, he let me read an article in which was said that the founder of Spotify uh, earned a lot of money, which is strange because the, 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 the company was a long time didn't make any money, but he earned a lot of money. Well, that's fair. He, he did something, so he earns money. But what he did with his money is he, he invested it uh, in something uh, which is not that funny, uh, an artificial intelligence that supposedly is going to make war or something. I, I, I fact-checked it for as far as I can. Like uh, I saw three different sites which were confirming that he was investing his money in war, uh, and I thought that's that's obnoxious. If you have something so beautiful as music, which is uh, uh, which is which is helping people, which is healing people, which is bringing people together, which is making people uh, happier, healthier uh, persons in general, uh, and then you make something so beautiful, you make it so foul. I, I guess that that really did it for me. So I thought, well. No chance I'm going to cooperate in such a, such a manner. And I just decided to take all my music off of Spotify. And I, I, not, and, and I, I, it's just a drop in the sea, right? I'm not a famous uh, uh, musician. I, don't, I didn't have a lot of listens. It's, but it's also the whole concept of Spotify is bullshit. You have, you have a, 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 a server park in a bunker under the ground, which is costing enormous amounts of uh, electricity and all to get this music from all the artists, which are getting paid hardly to nothing, uh, to get to your phone uh, while you're on traveling. And, and this is not good for your carbon footprint. Uh, uh, uh. So I'm urging people to make old-fashioned mixed tapes, but then with new fashion materials, which, are, which is a new project of mine, which is very recent. I'm asking all types of pe- people who enjoy making or listening to music, and then you can, they don't need to be a musician or whatever. So make a mix of one hour. I'll put it on a website, and people can put this hour of music with your choice of music on their heads while they're jogging, bicycling, Doing their yoga lesson, whatever you, you you most of the times you need a, well, not more than one hour of music for the activity you're doing. Make mixtapes, put it on your phone, 
doesn't need and it's far better for your carbon footprint if you want to change the world make mixtapes how do you feel about ai in general you know with all the major leaps that it's taken in the last year obviously as you mentioned it's a terrifying idea this ai and war but what where do you think we're headed say in the next five years with all this stuff well i'm not sure where we're heading what i know where we are now we're now at uh a child of six, AR, technically speaking, and we're putting a lot of trust in a six-year-old child. And I think that's bad. <laughs> and I, I, I followed this... Uh, I, I like science fiction, so I also like AI. Uh, uh, you cannot do that, Dave. You know, <laughs> 2001 Space right, Odyssey. Of yeah. course. That was a trigger. But anyways, so I, I've chosen to, 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 to make sure... Uh, I know a lot about AI. It's not a big deal at this point. They're making a far more bigger deal than it is. It's... Why do we want to play God? Why want, do we want to invent something which is similar to our own being? We can do this already. We can mate. We can have children. And we can make music. We, we can, can write poetry. We can, we can paint your AI, pictures. We can do, yeah. There's... Why would you? Why why play God? And I know it's it's something profoundly necessary for some people to feel in charge of their life. I have news for you. You are not. <laughs> <laughs> you are not in charge of your life. You have no clue of how of being in charge of your life. This so why why I I, 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 I simply can't, cannot answer this question to feel emotion. Now, do you think AI will ever get to the point where it will be able to make music that we like, even if that is uh, instrumental electronic music? I think they already make music I like. I like all kinds of music, and I also like uh, experimental stuff. And I think AI is already perfectly capable but ai is something ai is, is a lot is a lot but it's not human yeah so it can be a lot it does a lot it's it's really nice to have it as 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 a tool you shouldn't uh, forget the turing uh, rule the, the first rule of turing who uh, thought of the concept of artificial intelligence uh it's a smart sir who said well a robot may never uh, harm a person or a human, uh, or do something which, in what way or one way or another, could harm anyone. So this this rule should be programmed into a, a robot. It's a robot, kind of. But when I'm being concerned is when a robot is better capable of programming another robot than a human. That's what's happening at this stage, or at least I read it, that, that an artificial intelligence is, is better in designing a new artificial intelligence than that a human is. This is Killer on Streets of Fire. You have got what appears to be a dynamite sound. <laughs> All those hits are always the same to sing about love about drugs or
It doesn't work for me. I gotta have more. Dr. Dynamite. So this latest project that you're uh, that you're involved in, um, how did how did this get started? Choco Stoner Disco. Well, it started out when I left Toner Low. We we weren't having a fight or something, but I felt it was too doomy. And the I, band was very popular. Was, you the should band say. was quite you were popular. Playing yeah. very big venues, huge Correct. following. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But uh, for me, I was having a depression, and then depressed. Playing depressing music is not the best thing you can do. So it's a great band name too. I should course, say, Toner yeah. Low. Yeah, it's, it's what fantastic. It's what your printer says when it's out of print. <laughs> right. That's how I'm, I thought of the. Yeah, it's, it's, you it's, received it's, was, the transmission. I received the transmission, of course. I said, Tone Alert. Of course, Tone Alert. Here it is. I started at first, Shoko Stoner Disco is started. The first incarnation of Shoko Stoner Disco is Toner High Cinderella, uh, which is a project which I did alone. 
Uh, I made an LP, a record, a vinyl. It's a Doom Opera. I will not play it tonight or let you play it tonight because it's really depressing. It's my depression of, 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 of a certain uh, 2000 and something. When I lived in The Hague, I had no job, I only had a studio, uh, I drank a lot, I smoked a lot, and I was just feeling miserable. It was winter, and, and, and I was under the ground in a cellar, and where it was minus 20, and I had one uh, kachel, how do you call it, a heater, but the heater uh, never worked really. It was minus 20, and I made this record alone. I just was there, I was there feeling miserable and making miserable music for myself. And it was for me... Music has always been a way to cope with the world, just to make give something a place to to give it a to get peace of mind, to to give it a place. That's what music uh, is is handy for, uh, in my opinion. Uh, it's my own uh, way of uh, telling myself uh, that that you've told your story now. Let's move on. Hence the title, move on. Because I made a lot of songs which are called Move On. Uh, and there's this, so this one song, Move On Further. Uh, someone is really uh, ringing a bell. Yeah. <laughs> Something that I found fascinating that you said before was a different solo project that you had, Throw Me a Bone, where you had a song called Bus Stop that was for an actual imaginary bus stop that is set up by uh the 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 state here in the netherlands maybe you could uh yeah, could, we could, could close off with yeah, this yeah, tell yeah. me about this song yeah well there's people who have uh, dementia when you grow older you can get to forget you, you can forget stuff and stuff and you get dementia and, and and those people often are restless and uh when and, and they want to for instance they want to go to their loved ones or they want to visit their loved ones and that that can be uh difficult to contain those people so what they did as this uh, elderly home in 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 in, in, in special or how in this case in, in this elderly home they they made a, a fake bus stop so each time uh, mr smith said i want to visit my wife they said no that's good that's okay you just go to the bus stop over there wait until bus number 42 comes over you you take uh, three uh, three three halters and then uh, you can go to your wife so and uh, but but no bus would stop at this bus station or at this bus stop. And do you think it's there's some kind of analogy there for music a a bus stop with a bus that never shows up or so. for most for most musicians this is true because they will never have success they will never earn money with their music they will never have a recognition they will never have whatever they want from music I only want one thing and that's having a good time. But then maybe it is enough to just uh, show up at the bus stop yeah. and uh, at least know we're on the right track, even if we forget where we were going after a few hours. Correct. Well, Dave Van Hartu, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me today. You're welcome. We had fun. And you can see Dave's band Chaco Stoner Disco at Lazarus in Leiden today, March 24th, if you're listening live. If not, check out the Dave Von Hartug YouTube channel, which is a great way to catch up with some of this wonderful music that Dave has released and not put any money into the Spotify coffers. 
However, no shade if you're listening to this podcast on Spotify. I gotta get these to you somehow. <laughs> so we're gonna go out now with a song we were just talking about from Dave's project, Throw Me a Bone. This is Bus Stop. <laughs> Fire with Jesse Lent is a production of Broadcast Amsterdam or Bram. Stream the show live Fridays from 1400 to 1500 hours or access past episodes at broadcastamsterdam.nl. You can also listen as a podcast on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Special thanks to Deep for the technical assistance with this episode. If you want to reach me directly, you can email me at streetsoffireradio at gmail.com. You can also find me on Instagram where my handle is at jlent. That's the letter J-L-E-N-T. Until next week, I'm Jesse Lent, and I'll catch you in the crowd. Away, the bus